0: Hello Gamecock Nation, welcome back to the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. We are your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I am your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always... Thank you for making the Locked On Game Cox podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And this quick reaction show, we're going to get to the game in just a moment, but this quick reaction show is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Sign up on UnderdogFantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Wow. Wow, what a game that was between South Carolina and the Clemson Tigers earlier tonight at the Colonial Life Arena. We are now working into the midnight hour on Saturday morning, November 12, 2022. And as of this moment, I think it's fair to say that Lamont Paris has officially arrived here in Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to dive into everything with this game. We're going to talk about how this game sort of played out, who really stuck out in this game tonight, and what it all means for Lamont Paris and this program going forward. So, let's start off with how the game played out. Obviously, um, if you're a basketball purist and you like to see, I guess, quote-unquote, poetry in motion is the best way to put it... um, This admittedly wasn't probably the game for you. This was a low-scoring contest. I believe only 118 total points between both teams. So, an absolute slobber knocker of a basketball match here. And, um, you know, both of these teams, it was all about momentum swings. And that's the way that basketball always plays out. It's really the... Great part about this sport is just how much, you know, a few possessions in just a minute or two can change the complexity of an entire ball game. So South Carolina, obviously they got off to a really rough start in both the first and second half, which is something that Lamar players might want to try to correct moving forward. But again, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it is just like four minutes compared to the total of 40 minutes that they have to play. But South Carolina at the start, they did have some pretty bad turnovers. They had some really bad fouls as well. Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk was able to start for the first time this season in this game. And, um, He would probably admit himself, he did not exactly have the game he probably would have liked. I don't think he scored maybe more than three or four points. He had, I think, four fouls and, again, a lot of turnovers and, again, probably a lot of plays he would probably like to have back. But he was still a big part of this game, just having him there for depth because South Carolina definitely got tested in the front court with P.J. Hall, who, you know, surprisingly played for Clemson tonight. He played a decent amount of minutes and, uh, yeah, he looked pretty good, admittedly. You know, we gotta be objective here, y'all. PJ Hall is a good basketball player, and he went after Josh Gray in the low block throughout the entirety of this contest. And for Josh Gray, what I tell you what, he absolutely he held the fort down in the front court tonight. He at the minimum made it so he made it super difficult. For all of Clemson's post players to score some buckets in this game. And I believe he finished with like 6 points and 10 rebounds. He he played his butt off tonight. So Josh Gray deserves a ton of credit. Um, Chico Carter Jr., we'll get to him in just a little bit. Gigi Jackson, I gotta say, the thing that really stuck out to me in this game compared to Game 1 was how much more confidence Gigi Jackson was playing with. It really seems like that now that he's gotten that first college game in front of his hometown out of the way, that G.G. Jackson had like a Two-ton weight taken off his shoulders. He doesn't have to worry about that now. He's gotten that game over and done with. And he seemed a lot more confident, but also measured in this game. You know, he was, again, when you are someone that has G.G. Jackson's talent, it can be very easy to go out there and pretty much just, you know, to put it bluntly, be a ball hog. You know, try to get as many shots up as humanely possible And Gigi Jackson did not do that as much as he probably did in Game 1, which shows you he's already growing in just a matter of a game or two early on this season. Now, again, you know, is Clemson going to be like a 20-plus win team? Probably not. You know, South is going to play some tougher teams down the road. But look, going into this season... This game, for most people, probably would have been chalked up as a loss. Or at least, you know, if you took a poll of like 10 people randomly across the country and asked them, is South Carolina going to beat Clemson? Probably six out of those 10 people would have said, I think Clemson wins that game. You could go ahead and rip me up. I said that Clemson was going to win this game. I predicted Clemson to win on Friday. And again, I I said it was going to be close. I thought it was going to be close. I didn't expect it to be this close, maybe. But, you know in terms of the final point margin. But but South Carolina, they answered the bell tonight. And, you know, they did not let the the magnitude of this game really, you know, rest on their shoulders. You know, they did not let the burden of the fact that, you know, this is such a big rivalry. I mean, think about this, y'all. Jacoby Wright is from Fort Bell, South Carolina. Chico Carter Jr. is from Columbia, South Carolina. Hayden Brown, I believe, is from Greer, South Carolina besides those three guys, Gigi Jackson of course from Columbia South Carolina, besides those four guys, I think everybody else on the roster is out of state. So when you have a roster makeup like that, you have a first year head coach who obviously is trying to instill his culture. he's from the Midwestern region of the United States it could be hard for some guys to you know understand just how much this game means to the fan base but the way that these guys play tonight, It was pretty much like, no, we understand, we understand to a great extent how much y'all want us to win this game. And the team fed off of the energy. The crowd deserves a ton of credit tonight, by the way. If I had to guesstimate, I would say that it was probably at least like 11,000 fans in that arena. It's the most fans I've seen in that arena in quite a while, to be honest. You know, For a game that was especially a non-conference game. So credit to the fans. Let's see. Continuing through, talking about some of these guys that played tonight. Uh, Hayden Brown, he did not have as much of an impact as maybe some people would have thought, especially after what everyone saw him do in Game One against South Carolina State. I do think Hayden Brown ended up with four fouls in this game. Of course, we can have a we can have a conversation about you know whether or not some of those fouls were uh, a little bit ticky tacky from some of the officials there. But Hayden Brown was kind of put in some tough spots tonight, obviously. Uh, Clemson, they, they really, I think, made sure to try to key in on him in terms of staying in front of him and not really allowing him too many alleyways to try to drive to the basket. Um, really made Hayden Brown have to work a lot harder tonight than maybe South Carolina State was able to. So that that's partly a credit to Clemson uh, on that regard. Michi Johnson, obviously, look, he started tonight, and I will be honest, I was very surprised that Michi did start. I figured that what would happen, maybe at the best, is that he plays maybe around somewhere between 18 to 22 minutes. He's on a minutes restriction, and he comes off the bench. And he ends up being more so of a decoy. You know, he's out there just for the threat of, you know, hey, he could go off the dribble at any moment try to drive to the basket. Or, you know, hey, he could stand there and pop up one of those 30-foot three point shots that he likes to put up there sometimes. Um, but, you know, that didn't happen. Michi went out there and yeah, he wasn't very effective. You know, I think he he had single-digit points tonight. I want to say he had somewhere between like five to nine points. So yeah, not a whole lot. But, you know, he's still I can't tell y'all how much he means to this team. This team is a different team when Michi Johnson is out there at point guard. Michi Johnson, he commands a lot of attention from opposing defenses because of the kind of athlete he is. You know, he's like a springboard with the way he runs and jumps. His jump shot from deep, you have to respect his ability to take you off the dribble heading to the rack where then he can drive and kick it out to somebody else. He opens up this entire offense. He is the key to unlocking this offense and the ceiling that it has for year one under Lamont Paris. And when Michi Johnson's not out there, that becomes infinitely more difficult to accomplish because it's not like, you know, none of the other guys can run the point, but maybe no one can run the point and offer as much, you know, of a skill set or arsenal of certain things they could do like Michi Johnson does. So... I still think Michi played a big role just in that regard. Um, Now let's get to the man of the match, the player of the game, Chico Carter Jr. Chico was on fire tonight. He was absolutely, it's clear that he was feeling it from behind the arc. Uh, He hit, I think, four or five three-pointers, it felt like. And the thing that really got me with Chico's three-point shooting tonight was he hit a lot of shots where... You know, South Carolina, they were kind of in a bit of a lull. You know, Clemson maybe had scored a couple straight baskets and maybe they cut it down to like less than six points and they were trying to get back to maybe being tied or, you know, taking the lead in this game. And then Chico, right on cue, would come up and he would hit a three pointer and would get the momentum back on South Carolina's side. So Chico really did a lot in that aspect tonight. And, You know, he also, of course, hit the game winner. Kudos to him. When watching this play unfold from my vantage point in the arena, I was quite surprised, very surprised, honestly, at just how much Clemson had their guys crept up near half court. They were playing. They had their guys sort of standing there near half court like they thought that this was going to be a last second shot, like basically there was three seconds left on the shot clock and they were going to heave up like a three quarter deep, you know, basically hail Mary attempt to try and win the game on that possession. I'm not sure if maybe they just had bad clock management or awareness of the clock, but either way, Chico recognized this great on his part. He drove near the basket. Obviously, he got cut off by Brevin Galloway, a transfer guard that Clemson got in the offseason. And Galloway, of course, had the size advantage. And he managed to, you know, cut him off from being able to just have a free free layup, basically, off the glass there. And Chico kind of got pinned down near the baseline. And at that point, apparently, a lot of the other players were like, you know, pass the ball, pass the ball. Hey, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And he didn't pass the ball up. And he took the shot. And he drilled it. I mean, it it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't even close. It wasn't like it had to do a Kawhi letter where it clanked off the the back iron, off the rim like five, six times. It went straight on in. And I tell you what, the eruption from this crowd when that shot went in, um, I haven't heard Colonial Life Arena be that loud uh, in my lifetime. In all the years that I've gone to games, and I've been going to games since I was a kid, probably since I was was 9, 10 years old. That's how long I've been going to basketball games. And tonight is probably one of the top five loudest moments I've ever heard in the Colonial Life Arena. So those were the positives. Now, in terms of negatives, because don't, don't get me wrong, this was not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, South Carolina 6-for-13 at the free throw line. That is not good enough. You're going to have to hit more free throws than that. That is normally a stat that will get you in serious trouble in a close game. It did not do that tonight, but that will catch up to them if that doesn't get better. You can maybe chalk that up as, you know, a one-game outlier. So see what happens in that area going forward. Turnovers. Turnovers were bad tonight. They were absolutely bad. Now, Clemson deserves a little bit of credit in that area because, again, they brought a lot of length and a lot of a long wingspan with a lot of their defenders they had on the floor. And that clearly affected South Carolina in terms of trying to figure out, you know, which passing lanes they wanted to take, who they wanted to pass the ball to, and made them a lot more hesitant, you know, to make a certain decision. And even when they finally did make a decision at times, they still deflected the passes. And South Carolina, I believe, had 19 turnovers in this game. You can't have that. You know, if there's any... And there's no finite number in terms of... If you have this many turnovers, you're probably going to lose the game. And I don't know what the numbers and stats would say about, you know, the percentages of losing if you hit a certain threshold. But I would say, just being a casual, you know, basketball fan for as long as I have been, and now, of course, covering the sport for South Carolina, I think if you get to 14 turnovers plus, that's when you start to maybe put yourself in position to be in trouble late in a basketball game, especially one that is as close as this one was. So South Carolina got a little bit lucky in that aspect. Um, But again, they managed to overcome that, and they made the plays when they needed to to win this game. So I'm going to, of course, talk about what this means for the program in just a few moments. But first, before I do that, um, today's show is brought to you by underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy is the easiest place where you can spice up your college football season. Now, again, I mentioned this on the Friday show, but I'll go ahead and rehash it real quick. I got two games I'm looking at Colorado at number eight, Southern Cal, which actually happened earlier and number four, TCU, at number 18, Texas. So forget, I even mentioned Colorado and Southern Cal. I'll just mention TCU, Texas in the TCU, Texas game. I'm going to take. TCU's quarterback, Max Duggan, and I'm going to get him... I think he's going to throw for higher... Than 255 and a half passing yards against the Longhorns because Duggan has already crossed that threshold in seven of TCU's nine games so far this year. So who would you pick in some of these pickups that Underdog Fantasy has to offer every single week for multiple leagues? Sign up with the promo code Locked On, all in one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to hundred dollars. If you put in hundred dollars, they will match that to give you two hundred total dollars. So go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Locked On. one word. Get in on the college football pick-em action today. All right, so getting back to this game, what does it mean for Lamont Paris and this program? Well, again, we're only two games in, right? So we can't be drastic with what this game means for this team you can't sit here and say sapcon is for sure going to go to the ncaa tournament now you know that's a long ways away there's plenty of games to play before they get to that point you can't sit here and say that lamont paris is going to be a successful coach here now i think he's got a lot of those qualities to be a successful coach but again it's his second game of his tenure here so you can't get too carried away however I think that this says a lot about how much his culture has already taken hold of this program. You look at how much he talks about developing guys, how much he talks about the long-term game. You know, he doesn't just play just for the game itself, you know, trying to win an individual game. He coaches like he is looking ahead four or five years down the road. He cares about the development part of the game. He is not a results-oriented coach. And I think that is a good thing for South Carolina. I think it is a good thing for the players that are on this team. And I think that the way that he goes about teaching these guys, when it is time to pull them to the side and have a little talk with them real quick, is much different than what he, than what South Carolina's players dealt with with the previous coach in Frank Martin. Frank Martin, obviously, he would be very loud and um, boisterous to say the least. He was always pretty much, you know, it almost seemed like he was putting down guys every time they were going to the bench. Obviously, that wasn't maybe always the case, but there was always yelling and screaming involved. Guys would play a little bit more hesitant because, you know, it's like, well, if I make a mistake here, if I make the wrong pass or I take a bad shot in coach's eyes, I'm going to get yanked out. Lamont does not do that. He does not do that. He allows guys to play through their mistakes. And he looks at it as, look, we work on trying to lessen those mistakes when we're in practice. Okay? When I can control the drills that we're running, we can simulate some game scenarios like obviously a lot of them that probably came out tonight. Um but he does it so I think that the way that he is coaching up these guys it's going to pay off. It's going to pay dividends in the long haul. And you're already seeing that in these early contests. South Carolina State, again, close game. Close game near the end. South Carolina State, they they brought it to South Carolina. They did not fold. They did not panic. Even though it was their first game with like 11, 12 new players on the roster. You look at the Clemson game. Obviously, another in-state matchup. But with much, much, much more on the line here bragging rights, the fan base, how much emotionally it means to them, the connections between the schools, the hatred, everything. That kind of game. That's a game where you could see a team like this that, again, is so new and in certain cases really young pressing too much because they want to make that play that, you know, ends up deciding the game or ends up, you know, putting the game in the Gamecocks' favor for good. And... You know, there were still some plays out there. where There was probably a guy that did play like that. And that's going to happen with this team. But South Carolina, they took care of business. Think about this. South Carolina missed, oh, they missed over 50% of their free throws. They had 19 turnovers. They won by two. Imagine if South Carolina cuts the turnovers down, like, you know, maybe say in half. They make like three quarters of their free throws. They probably went by almost double digits at probably at least 10 points. They, had a, they could have pulled away in this game. But again, they're a young team in terms of how long they've played together. They're still building that team chemistry. But yet, they're still winning these games. They've won two really close games here. And that speaks to coaching. It speaks to coaching on so many levels. So, overall... I think that this is a message that's being sent to the rest of the SEC. The media members who picked this team to finish last in the conference, you know, yeah, again, this team might end up hitting a wall at some point. Maybe they still lose around 20 games or so. But the way they're playing right now, it does not seem like that this team is going to be such an easy out like some people thought they would be going into this year. I said that a good year heading into the season, in terms of predictions, I said that I see this team maybe winning 14 games, you know, or at least 12 games, and maybe at the max 14 games. This is a team that, the way they're playing, if they can, again, fix some of the issues that they've had early on this year, get better with their weak side rotations defensively, this is a team that maybe could contend with being 500 this year, which, listen, I know that that's not going to excite the fans, okay, because obviously everyone sits there and goes, well, we want to make the NCAA tournament. Look, everyone has those kind of goals in the fan base. Everyone wants to see that. They want to see this team have a chance to maybe go back to the Final Four like they did five years ago, but that's not realistic for year one. Yes, they have Gigi Jackson. Yes, they got Meechie Johnson. They got some real talented older players on this team and some solid Young players that've got a lot of potential, and Daniel Hankins, Sanford, and Zachary Davis, they do. But that's not realistic to tell them they got to make the NCAA tournament in year one. If they make it to five hundred, Lamar Paris ought to be in the running for SEC Coach of the Year. Some people are going to laugh that off because they're going to say, "Well, in those circumstances, no coach ever, win. no coach is ever going to win Coach of the Year." And maybe you're right, but. With how much this team's been written off, the condescending remarks that have been made by a lot of analysts, you know, why would Gigi Jackson go play there? He could have gone to play for North Carolina, right? He could have gone to contend for a national championship at North Carolina, and yet he went to South Carolina. Man, everyone in his hometown probably were just pressuring him so much, right? Really? That kid doesn't play like he was pressured to go to South Carolina. He plays like he is as happy as can be to be a South Carolina Gamecock. I think that gives a lot of pride to South Carolina fans to see one of their own with his kind of talent finally staying home. Because guess what? Guys like Cam Scott and Lexington, I promise you, they're paying attention to this stuff. They're watching games like this. They're watching how they're utilizing Gigi, but they're also watching the sum of the whole, you know, the sum of all the parts. How does the entire team look? Does this look like a team that is going to progress over time? Does this look like a team where by the time I go into college to play college basketball, I could be developed here. I could be prepared for the next level. I think right now the answer to all those questions is yes. And to say that two games in, it's remarkable. It speaks to what Lamont Paris is doing. It speaks to what these players are doing so far. And Gamecock fans, you know, again, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. And none of y'all should get too far ahead of yourselves. But celebrate this win. This win, I again is just a microcosm of what this program could potentially be once again to where they're winning games like that that aren't losing games to, you know, teams like Stetson and, you know, back down in Florida or coastal Carolina. This is a program that could become a winning program. It could take Lamont can take this program to the next level where they're not just winning 17, 18, 19 games every year and contending to potentially be a tournament team. He can take this program to the next level. He's showing that. He just needs time to build up this roster a little bit more, to really be able to install everything he truly wants this program to resemble when they are playing on the hardwood. But that's going to do it for my quick reaction show today. I appreciate every single one of you who hopped on YouTube for this live show. For those of you who maybe want to listen back to this, or maybe you have a friend or family member who wants to listen to this, I'm going to post an audio version of this on megaphone later and that will then be dispersed out later in the morning so again thank you to all of you who chose to jump on in here and listen to today's live reaction show what a win for South Carolina they are now 2-0 on the season they got a big tournament coming up this next weekend in Charleston they'll take on I believe at least Colorado State gonna be a big game there probably a bigger test than even Clemson was quite honestly because that was the team that was a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament last year, so they're going to come. They're going to be. They're going to come ready, and South Carolina better bring it because it's going to be another tough matchup. But either way, big win for this program. Can't say that enough. Again, thank y'all once again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night, and God bless.